Welcome to Life and Godliness. I am your host, Joanna Simpson, otherwise known as Josim. So many of us are struggling, stuck, lost, wounded, and hopeless when Jesus came so we could be free and live an abundant life. He wants us to enjoy him and enjoy life. But how can we truly do this if we are bogged down by life's problems? Well, Life and Godliness with Josim hopes to help persons enjoy life with Christ by sharing Christ-inspired solutions to everyday problems and digging up deep-rooted mindsets that skew our perception of the Father. To quote a popular artist, life is hard, but God is good, and he's patient in our journeys. So join us as we talk about life and godliness. Welcome to Life and Godliness with Joe. Hi, it's so good to be here and it's so good to have Mr. and Mrs. Michael and Paulette Gale with me. Welcome, welcome. Hi, Joe. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting us. Hi, Joe. <laughs> ah, it's so good to have them here today. They have been married for 37 years and they'll be 38 strong um, next year. And they're really just here to share their own story about what it was like to live in, you know, be married, but not yet be at the same place in God. And so I have, um, and so I'm really looking forward to hearing their story and for them to share their story with you today. So we're just going to jump right in and just say, you know, how did you meet? So we had, we had friends in common. Um, we, we actually lived in the same area or uh, in, sort of the high school period and um, let's just say I noticed her and she didn't notice me at the time. She was in a more noticeable condition than I was. Let's just, let's just leave that there. She's shaking her head. Yeah, you know what? That's, 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 that's back to interpretation and perspective. I'm, I'm that. um, but then later on in life, um, we had friends in common. A close friend of mine was uh, dating one of her older sisters and sought to, as it were, set me up with another sister. So um, we, we got together and in the process of that, it became apparent that that particular sister was not the, the one which caught my fancy. It was this sister was the one who caught my fancy. And the rest is history, as we say. Indeed. <laughs> so, Mrs. Gale, what was your take? You know, when you saw him, was it love at first sight? You know, what what happened then for you? So, Joanna, it, to just to sort of clarify something that was said earlier about him seeing me first sometime ago in Zernatai. Uh, you know, I was jogging one evening, <laughs> and with my cousin, and we had to pass a group of young men. Who were sitting at the side of the sidewalk oh my god <laughs> and so that is the encounter that my dear husband refers to it was a pair of shots <laughs> oh oh okay you know what? <laughs> one evening when i was not expecting most, uh, most people to be out you know anyway <laughs> so but anyway so yeah um no it definitely wasn't love at first sight i thought that my Michael was a little obnoxious <laughs> and definitely not somebody I was um, interested in getting involved with. And the truth is, John, at the time, I was just interested in being single and free and 
just loving, you know, just being me and learning about me and um, enjoying my friends. And so that is what my life was at that time, you know, when we had our encounter. So it took a little wooing, but um, I think it's it was a God, you know, thing because the truth is like as a year and a half before that, I had, you know, ended in a relationship and I prayed at the time. I said, Lord, if I ever date again, I want you to choose that person and that person has to be my husband. I'm not interested in anyone else if I'm not going to be, if it's not going to be in a committed relationship. So there we go. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I understand what that means, <laughs> you know, wanting the Lord to choose your husband. But it sounds like you were quite content being single. I was. <laughs> and so the moment that changed that, um, we were both invited. We were invited to this birthday party, a uh, mutual friend, a much older person. And it was just a, a you know, uh, a light party. JPS, the electricity went out for, I don't think it went out for longer than maybe five seconds. <laughs> it seemed like that, but it was probably obviously a little longer. And then all of this, and it was pitch black. And I was on the veranda with my sister and some girlfriends. And all of a sudden, I was picked up <laughs> and carried inside by this gentleman. <laughs> you know, lifted in jolly, you know, just in joke. And I was not amused. <laughs> anyway, so so that that happened, and you know, shortly thereafter, I said to my sister, "We're leaving," because I'm, you know, this, I'm very embarrassed about what just took place. But as that was the weirdest thing, because that is what changed my my you know my you know thoughts towards him, my feelings towards him. It was so crazy um, because after I thought, I said to Pauline, my sister, the, uh, who was with me. Shortly thereafter, I said, you know, oh, maybe, you know, he's not such a bad person after all. <laughs> so my interaction with him, when he started, when he continued to come around the house, my interaction with him sort of changed. I became more open to listening to him and just talking with him. And then some things just developed after that. Wow, Mr. Gale. So who would have known that split <laughs> second move would have changed your life? Indeed. And, um, you know, in, in, in thinking back about it, it, it sends a message for young Christian couples as to the potential consequences of physical contact. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Because, yeah, this was just innocent physical contact, but it, it, it brought about a, a whole change in her, um, her, her thoughts, her approach to me. So when we hadn't physically touched before, no. Then, yeah. So so when when we're ministering to young couples, particularly teenagers and young adults, it is important, I think, for us to to stress uh, the potential consequences of of what may appear to be innocent physical contact. Okay. It, it is it has it has a much deeper potential effect. Yeah. In our case, it it turned out you know for for the good but had it had it been a different sort of scenario young people need to be aware of what they're what they're facing particularly young christian couples yeah so so mrs gail i heard you speaking about you were talking to god and you were saying to god um you know that the next person you you meet or get into a relationship with you'd want them to be you'd want god to choose that person so were you were you in a relationship with the lord at that time 
Um, you know, Joanna, this is this is so peculiar because the truth is I always felt connected to God. I was raised a Catholic, and as far as I was concerned, I was a Christian, but I hadn't been walking closely with the Lord. I hadn't, you know, I sort of stopped going to church because um, church got a little boring. Your late teens, you know, <laughs> I was 19, going on to 20 at the time. And so I stopped going to church, but I always continue to just pray. I would always pray and I had, I would always tithe. Even when I wasn't going to church, I would find a church to, to you know, tithe to. Is there a point in time when your, your relationship with God got deeper? Yes. Yeah. You know, but that didn't happen until after we, I had the children. Like we got married, my client, you know, after a year and a half, we got married. And then I would, because he was Anglican and I was Catholic, what I would do, I would continue to go to church and I would, would take the children to, I wanted them to be introduced to both faiths. So one week we would go to the Catholic faith and the second week we'd go to the Anglican church. Um, and they were babies at the time because they're a year apart. And then one day I was sitting at the back, on the back pew with them. I knelt down and I started to, I just started to pray. And I, I prayed out, I cried out to God. I said, Lord, if there's more of you, if there, you know, I want to know you deeper. I want to know more about you. I want to, you know, have a greater encounter with you. And the following weekend, this is so crazy. Um, Michael's good friend, who was high school friend, who was a Seventh-day Adventist all his life until um, like late teens. And he switched and went, you know, into the evangelical church covenant and he, ever, he would always whenever he came to the house you'd visit Michael regularly and he would invite us to, to his church and I wasn't really interested I didn't know anything about the charismatic movement you know or, or that at the time but so after that Sunday when I knelt down and prayed the following Sunday the following week Saturday actually he came to the house again and I, I said Neil you know and he, he invited us to church again. And then I said to him, you know what, Neil, I'm going to go. I want to come. I want to see what your church is about. And I went with him that Sunday, following Sunday. And that's when I gave my life to the Lord. It was amazing. I just saw it was, it was at the corner of Retreat Avenue when the tent was up and Pastor Morgan was there, but he wasn't the person preaching that day. It was, um, oh my God, pastor from inner city. Yeah, so I went to church that day and I just, people were raising their hands and, and singing. And I was, I mean, like everything that was said and done when I, from the time I went in, it just touched, moved my heart and just spoke to me. And it was like the whole sermon was directed at me. And then he gave an altar call and I wasn't even looking to the left or the right and seeing, <laughs> I just know that I knew I wanted what these people had and I just wanted, you know, more of God. Yeah. And so... I went and I gave my life to the Lord, but I'm telling, but let me just tell you to backtrack a little. Um, this, a seed was planted years before that, because when I, my, my first job, um, I met two people who I later, you know, um, met again, two people who I who were in, who worked in the same office as I did, invited me to church at the time and to our cell group meeting. And I went, but at the time I went, um, it was very new to me and sort of scary because people were speaking in tongues and I didn't know and understand about tongues. And, um, and I never went back after that. So 
but they would always minister to me and talk to me and share with me. So, I mean, so I, so for, it was, I was introduced to, to God from then, you know? Yeah. Um, and so years after when I really was seeking the Lord a little more then you know, I was reintroduced to the evangelical church. And so, but after it, so when I gave my life to the Lord, I didn't, I attended a few of the meetings, but I didn't feel settled there. And so I now, you know, so it's still a sort of navigation and a search. And the very ladies who I worked with when I was in my late teens, my yeah. first job, I found them again. I saw them again and they, you know, shared me and spoke to me again. And, um, and then they introduced me to the, the fellowship that I became a part of until we left Jamaica. What a journey. <laughs> yes, it was quite a journey. What a journey. But it, it shows how God is after our hearts, even, you know, subtly and when we don't know it, you know. Uh, so when you, when you went up to give your heart to the Lord, when you went home, what, mm-hmm. what happened that day? Did you tell your husband? Did you tell Mr. Gale? I did. I did. I was so excited. Joanna, I mean, my whole life changed. Just like from night to day. I can remember Mark saying to me, Mommy, you are so different. <laughs> wow. In one day? I was, in one day. I mean, it was crazy. But Michael didn't understand what I was talking about or he didn't. He wasn't really interested um, at the time. But you know what? My quest was so, I was just so un, uh, hungry for more of God that I just wanted for me to, to gain as much as I could for myself and for my children and for the children. Yeah. So I did what I could. And then I, you know, became a part of a prayer group. Um, and we remain friends to this day. I mean, for almost, for 25 years almost. Oh, wow. You know, seven of us met to pray for many of those years before you know we left uh, you know we all went different ways a number of us left Jamaica went different ways but we're still very much in touch spiritually and um and they helped me to pray Michael through yeah <laughs> and and it's a, our, my interaction with you know with a group because the, the church that I went to they were genuine i mean people who love the lord who love who desire to see you know people come to the lord and so they they did reach out to to him a lot and they came and he would never be excluded from anything that they were having the church was having and the group was having so yeah okay so mr gale like what was your experience like what was it like for you so um as she mentioned, as, as Paulette mentioned, she was raised in the Catholic Church. I was raised in the Anglican Church. We got married in the Anglican Church. Um, she, she spoke about going to the Anglican Church and, and, and the Catholic Church sort of alternating. That was her and the children. I wasn't involved in that because I had an experience um, somewhat similar to hers as teenager, wherein I was raised in the church. My parents went to church um, most Sundays, uh, and, and I went to church as well. There was a fairly vibrant youth fellowship in the church. Um, and in retrospect, as I look back at it now, I can see where for a number of years, my involvement at church was more a social involvement rather than uh, a religious involvement, yeah. rather than uh, a, a spiritual involvement. 
And there came a point where I guess at about age 17, where I decided that um, this clearly was not something which would have been pleasing to God. I, I would have been amongst people who, um, some of them I would have seen at church on Sundays and then I would have encountered them during the week in uh, other circumstances and they were not behaving in, in manners which suggested to me uh, that this is the, 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 the conduct of a Christian. And I felt that rather than getting up out of my bed early on Sunday morning to go and participate in a, an exercise in hypocrisy, um, I, would, I would just rather not. So mm -hmm. I, stopped, I stopped going to church. But at the same time, there was still uh, this underlying um, inclination. Yeah. But when we got married, um, and my dear wife was was searching, um, I observed her searching. I, I didn't really get too involved in it. There was a period where she was involved with a, another church, and um, I, I wasn't entirely happy with some of the practices of that church. Nice people, got along with them socially well, um, to the point where at one stage of the game, the head of the church and I guess, invited me for lunch. So they said to me, um, they said to me, Michael, you, you know, Paul is getting involved for church. I said, yes. So, so what are your thoughts about that? They asked me. So I said to them, this isn't, I'm sure what they wanted to hear, but I said to them, I've told her to be very careful because I regard you as fanatics. Mm. And they sat up in their chairs. What do you mean by that? I said, no, I don't mean it in a disparaging way. What I mean is that you are so strong in your belief system that you are not prepared to even contemplate the possibility that any part of your belief system could be misguided or could be wrong. Now, there, there are thousands of different Christian denominations based on the one book. And the fact that there are these variations means that there is it's some material way in which the doctrine and practice of each of these differs from, from others. And if you are going to say to me that you are 100% certain that yours is the one that is correct and all the other thousands are, are incorrect, then I can have a conversation with you. So uh, it turned out in due course, she came to realize some of what I was speaking about and she eventually pulled away from that church and ended up going through the steps that she just outlined. Mm, so what, how, how was that for you, Mrs. Gale, in terms of um, you know, your husband having this concern about um, the church, you know, because I'm even thinking about, you know, in marriage um, and having a spouse that perhaps is not following the Lord at the time, you know, how does submission come into play or how did at that time? Um, and Joanna, it's a good question. You know, um, you know that there are, Michael and I differ in a number of areas. Although I longed for him to be with me in, you know, my quest for the Lord at the time, I was, you know, seeking and growing the Lord and just being the will of the Lord. Because I was such a young Christian at the time. And when I got off track a bit, when I got involved, when I, when I went to Covenant, 
I was there for, you know, a few months and then I was introduced to the church and, um, and they wooed me in, you know, through different things. And being a young Christian, I never knew the word of God as, you know, and so I was, I was misled. God allowed me to go through that process and that, you know, as, as a grow, you know, to help me grow and develop. And he never moved Michael's heart, you know, to join me in that group, in that, you know, in that church at the time, no matter how, you know, these people try to convince him. Um, and, you know, that, and that, is a, that was good because God used him, you know, it's, it's like he was my anchor, you know, he, he kept me grounded in a sense that because he would challenge my, you know, things that I would say and do and I would... Of course, I'd be upset with him about certain things. Don't you know that, you know, don't you want to um, give your life to the Lord? Don't you know what's going to happen? So, I mean, you know, I would say things like, you know, do you know what will happen if, if you die? I learned, of course, I had to learn to be submissive in the sense of surrendering more to God and just allowing God to do his work in Michael and that I couldn't do it. And that what I need to do is to grow more in, in the Lord. So... But, you know, so after, you know, leaving that church and then going to fellowship, that really was, you know, Bible-believing church. That is when, you know, Michael's heart changed. And so being a submissive wife. Um, What's interesting for me is that, um, you know, sometimes the perspective can be that when there is an unsafe spouse in a marriage, in a sense, their perspective is so not beneficial for the Christian, you know? Mm-hmm. So... I'm hearing in, in your own story that God still used your husband to help mm-hmm. anchor you, as you said, you know, and so, you know, he provided still this, all it, well, it sounds to me as though he provided this kind of other air so that you weren't necessarily subsumed, you know, into all that was happening. Yeah, because from, from my point of view, even though I wasn't joining her in her quest, but I... I Joined with her in social interaction with the people. Um, I went to some functions that the churches had and that sort of thing. So, you know, I, I provided her with support. But when I sort of started to draw the line was, I remember she was at UA at the time. She had been away from school. She hadn't, this was her first venture into tertiary education after not having done any school at all for years. And she hadn't settled yet into a consistent pattern of work. So exams are approaching. She's nowhere near being ready for the exams. The people in the church are scolding her for not coming to their meetings because she wanted to stay home and and prepare for the exams. Mm. And they're saying to her, you know, the, the Lord will will take you through the exams. I mean, yes, the Lord can do all sorts of miracles, but if the exam is being set on what is on page, between pages 100 and 250, and you haven't opened pages 100 and 250, it's very unlikely that he's going to give you the answers for those because you have to, he expects you to do what needs to be done. So there were areas where, and that's just sort of one example where I felt there were, quite off track yeah. and um, lovely people you know we, we, we've been to their houses they've come to our houses we socialize quite a bit um, but 
even as a non-Christian, I, I, it, it just their particular theology was just not something that I felt was was right for us. As as Michael was saying at that time, I I would take those things to the Lord, and and it was shortly thereafter that the Lord just revealed to me that I needed to leave that church, you know, um, and I did, and and so yeah, so God used Michael's resilience <laughs> um, and stubbornness um, to follow me, you know, in that. In that time, you think of it as steadfastness. Yeah. <laughs> steadfastness. <laughs> but you know, so in, so as it relates to how we interacted as a couple, um, I, I, it would always, of course, I would feel so distressed, and of course, I would pray and and I would try to do the things that I would think that the Lord would want me to do to be a submissive wife and to you know, and to do the things to help him be supportive. But um, yeah, and, and that was that's all I could do until so he made what, that decision. What was the hardest thing for you at this point in time in marriage? Yeah, I think for me, it's because I was a Christian and, you know, I was doing the, leading the Bible studies and I was leading the prayers for the children and, and, and he wasn't involved in that. That it was hurt. I mean, that would hurt. And I would worry about you know um how you know how the children how this would how it would influence the children like if it would give them an out eventually you know uh, to say okay well we're not gonna be christians because daddy is sort of thing and you know to use that and that would influence them negatively so i think that was my biggest concern and and for you mr gail what was perhaps the most challenging if, if there was any um thing for you during this period Suppose the nagging, she she would have been very concerned. Um, I understand the concern, um, but you know there's a scripture that says, "Better a man live on the corner of a roof than have a nagging wife," or something like that in in Proverbs. Yes. And um, men are wired in such a way that we just can't deal with the repetitive comments and that sort of thing. So even even though I understand. The concern, um, you know, looking back at it, for example, one birthday or something, she gave me a Bible for my birthday. <laughs> and I was livid because we have these conversations. Um, and, and to me, it was like it was like a slap in the face yeah. because you're, you're giving somebody a birthday present. It's supposed to be something which you think they're going to appreciate. But here it is, you're giving me something which you know I'm not going to appreciate. And, and, and I was livid. No, as I said, looking back at it, I can understand um, what would have driven her to do that. Um, it, it still may not necessarily have been the wisest course of action, but I can understand why she did it. Yeah, and so, I mean, it really does, it's a working through, you know, so even hearing Mrs. Gale and her own process, it really sounds as though, you know, she's working through her own salvation, she has her fears about the future, and she's trying to, in essence, figure out what's the best way to help you along the process. And then I can also see from your perspective, going along in my way, not so, not on the same wavelength, and feeling as though it, it continually being put before you yeah and you know john the, the, that 
gift that bible of the bible i thought it was i thought he would be he thought he would really like it. it was personalized to him it was leather bound his name was you know um written was in um uh, written in gold um on it and i just thought that he would he would have appreciated not realizing that oh no yeah and i, I was broken hearted so and then she captured it well it was left <laughs> You know, it, he he refused to use it, and it was left there for years, like two years. And um, I can never forget one day I was I saw to someone <laughs> a church about it, and I he said to me, "Well, why?" He says, "Why don't you just use it then?" I mean, he said, "You know," he said, "Use it and pray and trust God to um, that he you'll use something else to draw him." <laughs> Ah, so what was your process, Mr. Gale, in terms of coming to know the Lord? How did the Lord eventually capture your heart? Yeah, after she left that uh, church and, and started to attend the other one, and, and I, I can call the name, it's, 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 it was Mona Fellowship at the time. It's now Christian Life Fellowship. Um, I started to interact with people there in the same way that we interacted with the ones at the, the other church and interacting with them socially over a period of maybe some years I guess I came to see a difference and I started to appreciate for the first time the difference between being a Christian and being religious mm, okay. so I said you know I was able to say to myself there's there's more to this thing than I had thought. And I, I you know I could sort of see myself one day possibly looking at it more seriously, but I just wasn't ready yet. We would interact with with these people socially at our house, at their houses, various other places. And every now and again one of them would sort of ask politely ask me the question and I would um politely deflect it saying you know when when the lord is ready for me he'll send for me um whilst at the same time my wife continued to quote unquote encourage me at home <laughs> and just out of the blue one day we we're at home and she said um michael you don't want to just give your, your life to the lord and i said okay um i'm gonna help down yeah, mm -hmm. we, we knelt down in the bedroom and we said the prayer and church was coming up Sunday and she said, you're coming to church with us. And I said, okay, now to back it up, I had never been to that church with her. She used to go with the children. Uh, by this time, we now had three children and I never went because I believed that going to church just for the sake of appearances, was blasphemy. Mm. I would have been presenting uh, a face. You know, she said, the children, people think the children don't have a father. Or this man who was sitting beside us, they thought that was the children's father. They think that I'm a widow. All sort of things she would say to try to guilt me into going to church. And I just never paid it any mind because in my mind, that was the wrong reason to go to church. So the Sunday now following um, this, this episode at home, I went to church for the first time, um, just expecting 
to just sit down and you know quietly sort of anonymously go through church if that's what i was thinking i would have been terribly disappointed because at some point in the church the pastor announced that michael paulette's husband michael has accepted the lord and there was this huge roar I was, I was, I was, I was, I was so embarrassed. But again, again, I understand it. And um, it was just a, a gradual process from there. I, I didn't have the experience that she had of um, feeling a, a big change in life right away. For me, it was a more gradual process. Um, a much more gradual process um, and you know the, it has continued to be a, a developing process and it has taken us to where we are now. Wow I mean well firstly I'm so taken aback by the random but very simple act of you know encouragement <laughs> of, of the, encour the encouraging question that led you to say Yes, I mean, Mrs. Gale, how did you feel when you heard the yes? Shocked. <laughs> and I don't know why, I don't think I've ever asked him that before. Yes, yeah. I uh -huh. Okay, I don't remember that. I remember the evening. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I really sort of shocked, Joanna, because I wasn't expecting that response. Um, but God is good. And so we knelt and we prayed. <laughs> wow. So uh, was there a difference in your marriage, um, you know? before um mr gale gave his life to the lord and and after or even before you gave your life to the lord you know was has it was there a difference in your marriage um i i would want to say yes for sure um because you know the the, the truth is joanna in marriage after a number of years you you get so the women the mothers get so caught up in the children and you know you get so caught up in what you're doing and you have diff different activities and things that you don't if we don't spend time with each other you tend to sort of drift right yeah um and of course you know um there were times when we just said okay well we just had enough of each other i'm just gonna i don't want this anymore i'm gonna go my way yeah. but you know what but god there was always that to go back to so it's all I, you know always have the word always have the prayer always have prayer and that con commitment and, and and connection with the lord that so when the times were, were really challenging and discouraging that you know having christ in your life makes a difference you know not not only having christ having also fellow believers yeah. because we are heading for 38 years and we, we can safely say that it would have been much more difficult if we didn't have Christ and the body of believers around us. Mm -hmm. Because there have been a number of occasions when we have had to call upon brethren to help us talk through challenges that we are facing. Mm -hmm. And we have also played that role in the lives of other believing couples so so the short answer to your question is yes it, it did make a difference um 
For me, probably not right away, but more and more over time um, as I draw closer to the Lord and I, I recognize that I am accountable to the Lord. And even when we're facing challenges, and we do, you don't get to 38 years without facing challenges. I can imagine so, yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, think of it in terms of even a drip. If you have a drip just that just keeps on dripping, it's just a small thing. But over an extended period, it becomes a major irritant. Yeah. So it's not that either of us is necessarily doing anything um, untoward, but over time, uh, things which may have been cute and novel in the early stages of the relationship can really start, start to become irritants later on in life. And as these irritants have, have raised their heads, um, I know that you know there are times when I have had, I've gone before the Lord and I've, I've felt the Lord saying to me, you're accountable to me. And, you know, it is, it is the Lord's will that we have a successful and blessed marriage. And in fact, you know, they say the Lord has a sense of humor. I do believe that he is leading us on a path towards ministering to, to other couples. Mm. And there is nothing better than when you're providing guidance to somebody out of experience. And we have, we have been through our fair share of challenges. So there are probably just a handful of, of circumstances which occur in a marriage where we can be counseling somebody that we haven't had to deal with, either directly ourselves or sort of vicariously through other couples that we have had the opportunity to, to help in their circumstances. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Gale, you really mentioned something that's very important. I mean, the word of God is very critical. Um, and, you know, in our marriage, in our lives, but the community of the believers is also um, very key in helping Indeed. to sustain marriages. And it's interesting because the community of believers also seem to have provided a type of support to Mrs. Gale. It appears to me that the Lord kind of used them to woo you, you know, to kind of provide a bit of a comfortable atmosphere where you would have been more receptive to him. Was that the case for you? Yeah. So one of the things that um, happened as well is my wife being the clever, enlightened person that she is, she hooked me up with some of the brethren from the church that used to play a board game called Risk. Oh. And we would, this is before, before I had actually become saved, but I would join with these men and we would play Risk sometimes for hours on end. In fact, over time, we ended up playing sometimes for days on end. Um, but this was an opportunity for me to get to know these people outside of the environment of church and to become friends with them and see how they operate on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, just on a, on a casual basis outside of um, a church environment. Right. And this is one of the things that helped me to realize 
that there is more to being a Christian than going to church and singing the hymns on Sunday morning, which is what I grew up on. And I mean, it's, it sounds also that the community gave a different perspective to what you had seen earlier on in life when you were saying that sometimes the lives didn't match up. Um, Sir, yep, absolutely. Okay, so there was the kind of relational connection as well as they were actually living what they were saying. Yes. Okay. No, don't, don't misunderstand me. They weren't perfect, you know. Yeah, they, they, they had flaws just as I did. Mm-hmm. But even within those flaws, I wasn't seeing the sort of flaws that I was seeing otherwise. Okay. This is, I mean, it's very interesting to me because, you know, one of the things as, as we do this episode, um, and my desire really is that we learn some of the things that can be helpful, you know, um, especially as a spouse, you know, what can be helpful and what can be challenging. I mean, we have to rely on the Lord, I'm sure, in every instance. Um, but, you know, I, um, Mrs. Gale, as you had said, sounds, you know, was very, perhaps, you know, strategic. How did you come up with that um, idea of linking him up with a group of persons? Uh, you know what, Joanna? Um, I, <clears throat> well, you know, I was talking to the, I, it came up in in a discussion one day. I don't remember how it was raised, um, but then I told them that um, yeah, I think that this is something that Michael would be interested in because he liked the game. I knew he liked the game, and and I you know um, and he knew the brethren right. So um, I told them yeah, try just ask him, and then we can. And I I went home. And I told him about it, and he said yeah, sure, he wouldn't mind getting involved in that and I asked if you'd be okay for us to have it to host it to have it at the home and he he didn't object and so they would come over and play and I we would I would just sort of provide like prepare sort of snacks for them or something but yeah I I realized that it was something that um would sort of help him to sort of interact with the men a little more and um, in a, on another level, so. Um, Mr. Gale, was there anything, when, when Mrs. Gale became a Christian, was there something about her change, um, about her life at that point that stood out to you, that was an encouragement to you? She has a good heart and a good spirit, and I could see it, it was apparent to me that she was focusing on the Lord. I, I could see that she was making visible, there were, there were visible signs of, of efforts that she was making to live a godly life. And Mrs. Gale, in terms of when Mr. Gale got saved, what would be the one thing you believe changed in your marriage, whether immediately or eventually after he... You know, I think my perspective on who I needed to be for him. Mm-hmm. Um, John, I realize... And I had to learn this, and I'm still learning, um, you know, that it's not the, and it, you know, he, Michael talks about me nagging, <laughs> but the truth is, I honestly thought I wasn't. I would mention it from time to time, or on a Sunday, occasionally, or the day before, say, dear, you know, if you thought about coming to church, but I didn't think I was nagging him, but for him, the, the, the times I would say it came across to him as nagging, but I think maybe that's the conviction of the Lord, <laughs> but just, you know what, it, 
praying, you know, be, knowing that I, it, this is not something that I, man can do and, you know, but it, it has to be the work of the Lord. And so I just want to encourage, you know, any couple, the couples, any couple that would listen to this and, um, and you know, who's li living with an unsafe spouse to trust God, just pray, you know, continue to pray and to change, to make that change in God for themselves and allow the word of God to change them. And, and, you know, never give up praying and trusting God to, you know, change that their spouse. Because now Michael is like uh, a, a primary teacher of the word in, in the church we're attending here. He's teaching tomorrow. He's very, very involved in, in the work of the Lord. I mean, more so than I am these days. I need to say <laughs> that our lives, I'm just, the other day I said to him, I said, oh my gosh, our roles have really changed. Um, you know, he'll wake up earlier in the morning to spend time with God, you know, and where I'm so, going to bed so late, I'm barely waking up in the morning. So, you know, that. so God has done an amazing job in his life and my life and in our life. And so I just want to encourage any couple, any anyone who's listening that um, is living with an unsafe spouse not to give up. You just, you know, don't give up on God. And, um, and so continue to pray, continue to do, make the, let God do the change in you and wait for him to do the change in the person. Um, before we close, Joe, can I just say one thing quickly? Um, we, we were part of a group of, of friends, a uh, group of believers before we left Jamaica. And we used to share time in the word and that sort of thing. And there's one particular scripture which was very dear to us. And one of them, who is creative, put it in a, a ceramic thing, a ceramic plaque, which we have hanging over our family room door. And it reads as follows. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Ooh. Awesome. So, um, Mr. Gale, do you, what would you say to a, 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 um, an unsafe spouse who you know, for example, has a wife and who may be listening to this, who has a wife who was, you know, in a similar situation, he saved and is, you know, really hoping that her husband would also be saved. What would you say to the husband? See, I don't think there is an easy one-size-fits-all answer for that because it depends on, on where they are. Um, what I would say to them is there's a lot that we don't understand. Uh, there's a lot taking place in a realm that we don't understand. And I would say to them, be supportive of your wife and give it a chance. Open up your heart. Don't approach it from the point of view of um, negativity. Listen to what your wife has to say. Investigate it for yourself with an open mind. And, and leave it to the Lord. And what do you believe the church can do to support um, spouses who are in this situation? So my case 
was a good template. Um, I, I think that the, what the church can do is to seek to find ways to engage, to involve uh, non-save members within the activities of the church in a, a non-judgmental, non-threatening, non-boring manner. Um, the fact of the matter is uh, sometimes churches, the services are, are long and inspiring and that sort of thing, but that is for people who are believers. For, for non-believers to come and, and sit through a long service sometimes does more harm than good. So my thinking would be that what the church needs to do is to continue to find ways to engage and in, incorporate the non-believing um, spouse into the activities of the Lord, whether in church services or in, uh, you know, sort of smaller, less imposing types of gatherings where the word can be shared but not necessarily in a manner which is going to overpower them. Because when, when somebody tries to push something down your throat, what happens? You have a gag reflex and you spit it out. Yeah. So we need to get it with a teaspoon rather than pouring it down your throat. And, and do you kind of cover some of these things in your book, Conversations with an Unbelieving Friend? I do. Um, one of the stumbling blocks that I had personally was that I found that a lot of the arguments which were being put towards me as an unbeliever were sound arguments from a believer's point of view, but which presented stumbling blocks for me as an unbeliever. If I don't believe that the, the, the Bible is a valid and, and truthful and accurate document. There is no point in trying to convince me uh, of a particular facet of theology based on a book in which I don't believe. So a lot of people have misconceptions about Christianity, about God, about religion. And what I've tried to do in this book is to approach a number of these misconceptions. The, the purpose of this particular book is not necessarily to convert anybody to Christianity. It is to deal with that unbelieving spouse that we just spoke about, to remove some of the misconceptions which we all have, which a lot of people have about Christianity, and if somebody is honestly prepared to look at the facts, this book will be very helpful for them. Okay. And where can they get it? It's available on Amazon. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. So I'm just going to ask you to pray. Mrs. Gale, I'm going to ask you to pray for, um, it doesn't have to be the woman per se, but the believing spouse um, in a marriage. You know, in a, in a, in, um, if we have any listeners who have a believing who are the believing spouses in their marriage. And Mr. Gale, I would ask you to pray for those who are unbelieving in the marriages, you know, that the mm -hmm. Lord will work in their hearts, both of them. 
Um, and before we do, Joanna, I just want to say, you see how God is good. Um, here I was married to a non-believer, an unbeliever, and now Michael is a solid believer. Yes, writing a book. <laughs> writing a book for non-believers oh, as an evangelistic okay. tool is not amazing. It's so, so at that, so yeah, and, and and I just want to leave with this quote before I pray from um, a book written by. Paul Chappelle, a, a faithful marriage, building a life, a lifetime love on biblical principles. And one of the things he says in his book, and I just wanted to share this, is in marriage, you win by losing, you get by giving, you live by dying to self. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you for your goodness and your love towards us towards mankind and lord you orchestrated and designed for marriage and we pray for every marriage couple listening and those who are listening but couples who lord who are um unequally yoked where the, the wife or the husband is not saved and we pray oh god that as you intervened in our marriage that you will intervene in their marriage that you, Father God, will draw them to yourself. Not only you, will you continue to draw the believer to yourself, we pray, oh God, that you will draw the unbeliever to yourself. We pray that you will uplift and um, encourage the believer to, the, uh, the, your word will become re real and rich to them. That may your word become life and be the character, that they, the character of Christ that, they, that they're, they're not unbelieving spouses. And so, Lord, we just thank you for your goodness and mercy. And we thank you for, for the salvation of the soul of those who are unbelieving and for the strengthening of those who are believing. So protect and watch over the marriage, Lord, over the marriages who, of, of, these, of these couples, not only of the un, those who are um, of unequal yoke, but also, Lord, of the, the general marriages throughout. In the name of Jesus, so Lord, we just commit marriages to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, and before I pray, I just wanted to make one one final point, Joe. Um, and I guess this is a word to the to the believing spouse. It is not for us as Christians to convert anybody. The the scriptures themselves tell us. Uh, I think it was Paul saying, "Apollos planted the seed; somebody else watered it, and the Lord grants the increase." It is not for us to to force anybody into into conversion it is just just for us to plant the seed yeah. and let the lord do the work yeah. so heavenly father i just want to thank you for this opportunity you have provided us to to share on this program we pray for your blessing lord on joanna as she seeks to reach couples who are facing these challenges yes. and i lift up before you lord the the unsaved spouse, whether it be a husband or a wife, in, in an unequally yoked marriage. I pray, Lord, that you will open the eyes of their hearts, Lord, that you will find ways to, to reach them. I pray, Lord, that they will make themselves available to hear your word, blessed Father, and not simply block it out and turn away from it. So, Lord, as we commit this time to you, we thank you, Lord, 
that even now somebody who is hearing this will be able to say, well, maybe, maybe, just maybe it's worth, it's worth listening to. And we pray, Lord, that you will have your way in their hearts. Yes. So we just want to commit this to you. We commit marriages to you. We commit our marriage to you. I thank you, Lord, for this wife that you have blessed me with, who encouraged me along the path of righteousness. And I thank you, Lord, for the ministry of Josim. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you so, so much, Mr. and Mrs. Gale. Um, truly, it was really encouraging hearing your story. Um, you know, I would say that we started this yesterday and then uh, there was a technical difficulty, you know, but hearing it again is, is refreshing and, you know, just hearing different angles as well. Um, and what, is, what has really stood out to me as well is, you know, just generally how important it is for us to trust God as we, um, as we long for our unbelieving family members to be saved, um, you know, and how challenging it can be to trust God in the midst of it, but yet how important yeah. it is to do so. Um, so thank you so, so much for coming and for sharing your story. Um, and just, you know, it, it's always an amazing, wonderful thing to hear the good things that God does in people's lives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so listeners, thank you for joining with us. Um, I'm so glad to have you um, every Sunday with me. And, you know, I'm inviting you to connect with me on Instagram, that journeying with Joe, that's J-O-U-R-N-E-Y-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-J-O. That's on Instagram and on Facebook, um, Journeying with Joe One. Um, I would love to hear from you. Have a wonderful week. Bye. There is no one like you. There is none beside.